Yo, what is good? Diamond Talk people, family, nation, three people on this podcast, whoever, whoever's going to be listening to us this, this fine week, man. Um, I am here with Rob and Nick. We're here to break down 2023's starting pitchers, the top starting pitchers. And holy shit, was this hard. You got to think about it, man. We have, we have 150 starting pitcher spots, right? That's if we're, if we're basing it off a five-man rotation. Five-man rotation times 30 teams, that's about 150 options for, for potential arms. We, we broke that down to 20. And it almost broke us. But Nick, Rob, how you guys doing? Nah, nah, man. I, I'm, I'm doing well, or at, at least a little less well. I don't think it almost broke us. Definitely broke me. Um, you know, we had to, we have a job to do. So we started with like 30 ish, like Cy Young candidates. And we broke that down to 20 super Cy Young candidates. If you want to refer to it like that, because it truly is just all the guys that are on this list. And even the guys that just missed the cuts are number one, number twos all across the board for just about any team in the league. So the talent is there and we're definitely going to see how crazy our list turned out. Yeah, man, I'm excited. No more moving, so I don't have that on my plate. And to talk about starting pitchers as a comeback is definitely, you know, right up my alley. Uh, pops to you guys, though, for last week. I popped open the uh, the episode of an hour and 37 minutes. Like, ain't no way these two guys are going to talk about outfielders for an hour and 37 minutes, and I'm going to be entertained. And, man, that was a good episode. So props to you guys for carrying the load. Sorry I missed. Let's get into these starting pitchers. Let's do it. And we mentioned how big the list is. So we did it just like we did the outfielders where – we did a top 20. We'll go 20 through 10 a little bit quicker, and then we'll get into the good stuff. At 20, probably pretty con- controversial. This dude's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. Playing Kershaw. It's also like year 34 for him. So, you know, it is what it is, man. At number 19, Framber Valdez. Uh, Astros. 18, last year's Rookie of the Year runner-up in the NL. That's a strider. Shane McClanahan, who was really close to winning signing on signing the AL. He comes in at 17. 16 Zach Wheeler. Take to, you know, he was in the World Series. That 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 was fun for him. Kevin Gaussman. That's gonna be an interesting conversation. Comes in at 15. At number 14, Shane Bieber, also known as Justin Bieber's older brother. Alec Manoa, because there's no X in that name, comes in at 13. Julio Arias is at 12. And at 11, Dylan sees who had his own breakout season. Nick, we're going to go ahead and start with you, man. 20 through 10, I mean, 20 through 11, what are your thoughts? This is a good list. The good list all over. You got, like you said, Hall of Famer and Clayton Kershaw. And look, if you don't think he's a top 20 pitcher, even in this year, you're crazy. His numbers are still godlike, even though they're less innings. And he plays on a team that tries to keep him fresh for the playoffs. So you can't hate him on that. He is still really good. Just pure numbers-wise, if you didn't put the innings on it, he's still a top-five pitcher. Like, easy. The results that he produces is top-five, and he's sitting here at 20. The rest of the list, you know, it it's a good list. The guys that stick out to me, Framber Valdez, when I dug into this into these numbers and tried to really think about starting pitchers, who would I want on the mound? And when it came down to it, my last opinion on everybody was, who do I want on the mound on Game 7 of the World Series? And Framber Valdez just doesn't do it for me. He's not a strikeout guy. If his command isn't there and guys aren't going for his pitches, he's not going to be as successful. He is being successful because the guys are going for it. And when you're following a guy like Justin Verlander, it's a lot easy to come down and kind of play Valdez's game. So I'm really interested to see this year when he's supposed to be a guy, how does he perform? 
And he's not, to me, he's not even the best starting pitcher on his staff. I've got Christian Javier above him with what he can do, and I think he's going to have better results this year. So I was a lot lower on Framber Valdez. I was also a lot higher on Spencer Strider. I don't like putting rookies in the upper echelon of players after their first year. He only had 107 innings last year, but they were so good. To me, he was the clear NL rookie of the year. They didn't give it to him, but we he literally did stuff we haven't seen. And I've seen comparisons like he has a higher strikeout percentage than Nolan Ryan. You know, that's fun and all. To even put in the name of Nolan Ryan when it comes to strikeouts, you know what, regardless of how I feel about my favorite player of all time, the person my son is named after, I've got to respect Spencer Strider to even do anything that would put him into that namesake. I actually had him at 10, and it felt crazy. But the guys that I put behind him, I'm like, no, I'd rather have Strider on the mound. I would rather have Strider on the mound. This guy literally can end a game on his own. And if he, if the Braves let him extend himself and go into you know, seven, eight, even complete games this year, there's something there that we might not have seen since Chris Sale or even farther back than that with the strikeouts this guy can produce. If he actually goes out there and throws 200 innings, a 300 strikeout season is something we could see. And there's literally nobody else in the game that we say that from. Nobody else. Not Garrett Cole. Not Tyler Glasnow, not Otani, not Verlander. There's nobody else that we sit in right now and say, this guy could get 300 strikeouts, and that's who Spencer Strider is. As for the, everybody else in this list, none of them are that good over everybody else, and none of them are that bad or under everybody else. They all have their one thing that you're not really sure what's going to happen. Most of them are injury-related with McClanahan and Wheeler. But then Gaussman, he always seems to keep surprising. Looking at it right now, even after we talked about it before it, I kind of want him higher, but 15 is probably right where he should be. He dominated San Francisco. Everybody said it was a pitcher's park. Goes to Toronto and still does the same thing. So I, I think this is a great list, the way it played out. Everybody's going to have their preferences on what do you want. Who do you want on the mound? Do you want the guy that should probably secure seven, eight innings like a Framber Valdez? Or do you want the guy who can strike out a lot of guys like a Dylan Cease? It's all personal preference, but I'm not mad at anybody on this list and where they're at. I think it's just a matter of personal preference. And nobody sticks out to me that's way out of whack, except a little bit for Framber Valdez, but that's just my own personal opinion. Everybody other than Clinton Kershaw is definitely a Cy Young candidate. If anyone from 1 through 19 wins a Cy Young next year, I don't think any of us is going to be surprised. It's just, it is what it is. It's a very deep talent, it's a really deep talent pool of, of great starting pitching. And you'll see what's going to separate, like the top, I'd say, Eight from the rest of these guys, but it's not a lot. It's not by a lot. There's a there's a world where Framber Valdez wins the Cy Young. There's a world where Kevin Gossman wins the Cy Young. The only reason I don't I don't have Kershaw there is because I don't think they'll allow him the innings to do that. But he has a talent to do that. If you tell me I get a full healthy, let's say 180 innings of Clayton Kershaw, he's also in the Cy Young conversation. The guy that's more the the most interesting to me on this list is Kevin Gossman, because if you look at all the top metrics and all the top numbers in the last two years, he is consistently in the top five of those. However, at the same time, I think when you ask, hey, would you rather have this guy in the mound over Kevin Gaussman? You're going to pick a lot of guys. And for our list, you're going to pick at least 14 guys. And I know for my personal list, there's probably a couple more in there that I'd rather have. And if I'm going to be completely honest with you, even like in a one-game one game kind of elimination thing. I think that this is even bigger for me 
which is which is crazy to say because look, you got we, we got to respect Gotham. He, he he's doing what he's doing. He's doing it at a high level. And even in Toronto, yes, his numbers dipped, but it, it's a whole different ball game now. Aside from that, someone that was really interesting to me was Dylan Seas. Dylan Seas absolutely came out. He had his coming out party last year. Best season he he's had in his career. The cool thing with Dylan Seas is that everyone, everyone who who kind of been following his career, they knew that this was his potential. They knew that this is something that he could do, that he was capable of. It reminds me a lot of somebody else that we're going to see on this list later on in Carlos Rodon, where the talent was there and everyone was kind of just like, "Hey, where are they going to figure it out?" Maybe Chicago is just not a place to go to go pitch, apparently, because it takes them a while to figure it out. But Rob, I'll kick it over to you, man. What were your thoughts on ten through eleven? Yeah, man. Uh, look, we had a lot of good names here on the bottom half of of the list. I think uh, Nick stated it correctly. <laughs> Opening the list with Clayton Kershaw sounds kind of wrong, but it just kind of is what it is at this point. Like we're not. It's not a shot at Kershaw or anything like that. I think that there are guys that you would take above Kershaw at this point. But the point is that if you put the ball in Kershaw's hand when he's out there, he's still giving you the numbers that say that he is an elite starting pitcher. Even if he does it in 70 innings, 80 innings, 100 innings, whatever it is, like he's still putting up the numbers that tell you that he's an elite starting pitcher. So for him making the cut at 20 is is definitely good on my end to see. I think he was on my personal ranking. He was my number 20 just right there making the cut. Um, there's a lot of other names on this list that are that are interesting. I think, you know, we, we talk about a guy like Spencer Strider. I think Spencer Strider is probably the guy out of these bottom 10 guys that you see with the most potential to take a bigger leap next year. Like if Spencer Strider is in the top 10 conversation next year, like that's totally believable. That's that's kind of what you kind of expect from him coming out off of his first season in Atlanta. Um, a really strong first season in Atlanta. And my, I had him 21st right outside of my top 20, but that was mainly because of sample size. Like I, I want to see another full season of Spencer Strider just pitching to this level. And again, he pitches for an Atlanta team that is always in the middle of like competition, especially how the NL East is looking now, especially how the NL overall is looking now, right? Like the, I don't think the New York Mets are, are dormant anymore. Like the, the New York Mets are, are a problem. The New York Mets are led by two guys who spoiler alerts, both of the, both of the starters that the Mets are on Mets teams are in our top five who we're going to get to a little later. So they're, they definitely have competition there. They have, they have a team in Philly who also possesses two of the top pitchers in, in this top 20. Um, so they have competition all, all throughout the list. And, and for Atlanta, it's not going to get any easier. And Spencer Strider is proving to be one of those guys that's able to kind of pick up the slack in a way because we've talked about it the last couple seasons. One guy that we haven't been able to rank is Mike Soroka, who a lot of us had as a top 15 guy before he went down with injury. And Mike Soroka is a, is a very strong pitcher who, who Atlanta has been missing for at least the last two or three years. Um, so that Spencer Strider has been able to come in there and kind of fill that gap in for them. Um, like you mentioned, there's a lot of other guys here that we can point to and, and kind of say different things on like the Kevin Gaussman conversation. I agree. Like the Kevin Gaussman conversation is one where you, where you, where you start to compare guys directly to Kevin Gaussman. Kevin Gaussman might be 25 realistically. If, if you're just doing a direct comparison, like Kevin Gaussman versus this guy. But when you, look at the numbers in a pool size, right? Like it's kind of like if you if you took the names away from the numbers and you just put the numbers out there, like I don't think there's any way that anyone would pick, would not pick Kevin Gaussman's number to beat like the stats that he's put in the last two seasons 
to not be a top 20 pitcher. And so for him to be 15, like I'm totally fine with that. Like he's been, he's in terms of the deals that he signed recently, he, they've kind of been like, I don't, I don't want to say like, like prove it deals because like Toronto definitely felt good enough to like invest in him long-term. But at the same time, like, you know, the year before he went to San Francisco and we knew that when he signed with Toronto, everyone was going to be looking at the, the first comment that was made when he signed with, with Toronto by a lot of people was like, Oh, we got to see how Kevin Gaussman comes back and pitches in the AL East, right? Like the AL East is, is different than how the NL West is looking. And if anything, by a lot of standards, he came this first year in Toronto and pitched better than, than, than a lot of people, than a lot of people expected, or his, I, I think his, his second year in Toronto, I, I don't remember exactly um, when he signed with them, but like he pitched a lot better than a lot of people expected. And, and I think he's a guy that definitely belongs in that conversation. I think the conversation honestly gets more interesting. Like we were doing pre-recording when you look at that 11 to 14 group, because the arguments that you can make there are just kind of crazy either way. Like Shane Bieber probably has the argument of being the most consistent elite pitcher in the game. Like Shane Bieber, the last three seasons, when the when he has the ball in his hands, when he's out there, he hasn't really shown you that he's that he's anything worse than maybe like the seventh best pitcher in baseball. But again, there's something about the guys that he's competing with who are also just stepping up their game. And it kind of makes it to the point where you're just like, ah, like we can afford to lower Bieber a little bit this year. But Bieber's another one of those guys where we're probably sitting here next year. And, uh, and if you give me 30 starts from Shane Bieber, Shane Bieber's probably number seven or eight next season. Like with, with how we've become accustomed to Shane Bieber pitching, especially for a Guardians team that we kind of see is headed towards this newfound direction of, of, you know, trying to compete and things like that. Not, not saying that the AL Central is anything like crazy difficult, but, you know, trash, Shane Bieber. It's trash. AL Central is mean, trash. No, no yeah. like, look, and, and look, you want to say it's trash, right? Like, I kind of agree by that sense, but that's why I also like, for example, like a guy like Dylan Cease finishes second in the AL Cy Young, right? No shot against Dylan Cease. I, I, I agree. Like he, look, he's going to be top in strikeouts. Like he's going to be near the top in strikeouts. That's just the type of power pitcher that he is. But it's why, like, if you told me Dylan Cease was 19th, I'd be cool with that too. Because the reality is like one stat that I remember when I was looking at Dylan Cease's numbers last night is in the, in the entirety of last season. He had five starts against playoff teams. Five. Just five of his starts were against teams that made the playoffs. And in those starts, he went two and three. Like, so it, so it, it, there is that kind of, like, thing you have to see, like, what teams are, are guys facing? Because a lot of Dylan, Dylan Cease's starts take place against AL Central teams. That is, that, that is a lot different than guys who are pitching in the AL East where you will see those elevated ERAs because you're usually facing teams that are that are higher, you know, ranked in terms of lineups. NL East, same thing. You know, in the in the NL West at least this year, Dodgers, you have to face the Dodgers and Padres consistently. Those aren't going to be pretty nice starts for you. At yeah, least yeah, yeah, face, yeah, yeah, face the Padres. Dodgers that Dodgers lineup. I mean, yeah, I mean now, yeah, now, now, but hit but the, you know, in the weight room. In the bit. last couple <laughs> years, in the last couple years, like the Dodgers are definitely not a team that you want that you want to run into. So it's it's sure. kind of like that situation now where it's just like, yeah, like Dylan Cease, I'm fine with Dylan Cease at, at 11. But if you told me he's 18, 19, like I'd be fine with that, too, because I think he has to he has to continue to, to he has to continue to honestly just keep up. And again, that's nothing against Dylan Cease because he's in that position. He's a Chicago White Sox. So I, I, I can't control his environment for him. But I think he's that type of guy where like people are going to be looking at him like, hey, if you ever do leave the White Sox and go to another type of situation. Right. Like if you go to like a Houston Astros or something like that, where you're now like having to take over because 
I think it, I think Dylan Cease like might be looked at as a guy who like he goes to Houston, he might be Houston's number one. Like he'd be, no, he'd be in that I, mix. I, yeah. Like he'd be in that mix with like Framber Valdez and Christian Javier, like for sure. But like he would be Houston's number one. And th- and that's a different scenario to be in. Like that's not the same as being the Chicago White Sox like number one guy right now, you know, ahead of a guy like Lucas Giolito, who was in these conversations in the previous seasons before and has kind of just taken a step back compared to a lot of these guys. So that's always interesting. And and to me, like one of the guys that is most interesting to me is like Alec Manoa, because Alec Manoa has been one of my favorite guys to to watch pitch, period. Just everything by the by by what he does out there against teams, how he carries himself. I love the shit talk. That's just me. I love the shit talk from Alec Manoa. Like, hey, he goes out there and he backs it up as well. Like he finished top three in AL Cy Young right behind a Dylan Cease. Right behind a Dylan, a Dylan Cease in, in our rankings here. We had Dylan Cease 11, Alec Manoa 13. Um, you know, so I, I think Alec Manoa is like one of those guys, like I, I mentioned it a little bit before, but I've seen just ridiculous rankings that have like both Dylan Cease and Alec Manoa like close to not even being top 30 pitchers in the league entering this season. In a way, it should indicate to you just how much elite talent there is in the league. But at the same time, saying that Dylan Cease and Alec Manoa are not top 30 pitchers or barely top 30 pitchers is a little ridiculous. Like once you start to actually break down all the stats. So in that sense, I'm glad that we got that right. And look, if you look at our list, honestly, we're we're talking about the top 10. In terms of last season, I would say the biggest omission, specifically of, of how last season turned out, you could argue that the biggest omission that we had was Zach Gallon. Because Zach Gallen had a top five finish in NL Cy Young. So that is something to be accounted for. He just missed the cut on our list. So I, but if you look at the rest of the list, like all of the guys that are here in this 11 to 20, they outside of, outside, I think of Kershaw and Strider, I think all other guys make up like eight of the nine guys who were in top 10 of Cy Young voting, like in both AL and NL last year. So they were last year's like top pitchers, even in this bottom end, like they were guys that were in conversation to win the Cy Young. And uh, and as you'll see, when we get into like our top 10, some of the guys that are ahead of them are just veterans that when you ask yourself the real question, it's just like, no, this guy is not better than this guy at this moment in time. Like you're willing to you're willing to die on that sword because it's like, I'm glad that some guys had the breakout seasons that they had last year. But if I'm like, if I'm being honest, like the, every, every single guy that we have in our top 10, I'm taking over Dylan Cease, like, like a hundred percent. I don't even have to think about it. Like give me every single guy that we have in our top 10 over Dylan Cease. Like at least at this moment in time, I'm comfortable doing that. So I don't, you know, it doesn't really bother me how, how the list turned out. Um, I think we have a lot of, a lot of great names on there. A lot, like, come on, man, like Dylan Cease. Urias, Manoa, Bieber, like all, all those guys are number one guys. Like they are legitimate number one guys. Dylan Cease is number one for Chicago. Manoa, like is technically number one for Toronto. Like Bieber's te- number one for Cleveland. Urias is going to be the number one for the Dodgers this upcoming year, who would normally be Walker Bueller, who, you know, Tommy John surgery has, has sidelined him, has sidelined him. Like Daniel likes to say, he's essentially dead because um, we're not going to see Walker Bueller until 2024. So Julio Urias has a, has a, a, a chip on his shoulder as well, having to be that number one guy for the Dodgers moving forward. So I think a lot of these guys, talent-wise, they're very close. I think narrative-wise, they're very close in terms of the things that they have to do for their teams, their upcoming seasons, the, the, the teams that they have to face, different things like that. I mean, and it's all Cy Young candidates, man. Like we, like we just said it, Cease and Manoa were two and three in the AL last season. 
So we have the fact that we have two of the top three Cy Young Cy Young getters in the AL in the bottom half of in the bottom half of this top of top 20 should just point to everyone that these are these are all guys that are number one. Like legitimately, we are talking about 20, 20, even the five guys that were next up. We are talking about 25 legitimate Cy Young candidates every single year that we've seen in the last two or three seasons. And I think I think that's great for baseball because it shows you just how strong starting pitching it really is nowadays. If we take a look at the guys that were on here last year, man, it's kind of, I think it's kind of crazy because there's so many, there's there's so many people, or so many pitchers, I should say that, were in our top ten that just didn't end up on this thing. So just to kind of run through it, look, Walker Bueller, healthy Walker Bueller, he's on this list. There there hasn't Absolutely. been a year where he hasn't been a, a, a I'd say top ten pitcher. Nah, uh, healthy, Brandon, healthy Walker Bueller, I put healthy Walker Bueller, give me top five. That top that's five, how easy. serious, that's how serious I am about Walker Bueller. Yeah. Like that, you know, like it. It, he, but top ten on a, on a being nice, you know, but like coming off of Tommy John. But I feel you. Well, well, I'll say this: the the, the reason why I say top ten is because there is a lot of turnover year to year with pitching, and and we'll, we'll get to a guy in, in the top ten that that I'll give you that example. But other other guys, right? Brandon, Brandon Woodruff came in at number six last year. This year he didn't make it into our top twenty. Freddie Peralta, Freddie Peralta was someone that we loved last year, or maybe maybe didn't love, but he did well enough where we put him in here. Robbie Ray coming off Cy Young season, right? Lance Lynn and Lewis, Lucas Giolito, not not even honestly, not even in Lance, Lance Lynn didn't even yeah, Lance Lynn didn't even cross my mind. Right, so it, there is there is some turnover, and with these guys, I think the biggest thing I, I from our list that I can gather is some of these veteran guys like Gossman, like Kershaw, uh, they they stick around and, and and they're consistent. So you kind of have to put them in, in there. Because let's be honest, we don't know what's going to happen with Spencer Strider. Yeah, his talent is amazing. We saw Sir Thickums out there doing his thing this year with Atlanta. And we hope he does the same thing. We, we, we hope he, he improves. But it's also not crazy to not see him here next year. You know what I mean? Despite the talent. Despite how good he is. We see it all the time. You know, pitching is one of those things where it, it's super mechanical. You're, you're, you're one inch off on something. And you might be, you, you might be struggling for, for half the year. So... It's not crazy to see some of the turnover that happens here. Let's go. Let's go th- ten through six real quick. At number ten, Mr. Strider's teammate Max Fried, who who Nick's not very happy that he's in the top ten. At number nine, Garrett Cole, who I know Rob's not very happy. He, he's in front of he, he's behind some other guy. At number eight, Jacob Degrom, which it feels weird to say because he can. Like, I think we we can see him in the top three, but I think there's also an argument for him to be in Kershaw level. Hey, stick to the back of the bus, buddy. You know, it, so that that's an interesting one. Seven, Aaron Nola, not to be confused with his brother. And at number six, Carlos Rodon, the, the new Yankee. Rob, I'll, I'll kick it up to you first, man, because I'm I'm interested to, to, to hear about your Cole and Rodon, uh, you know, inner battle between the Yankees. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, man. I, look, I think I think it's always funny, and it's funny because in our rankings, like we have, we have, uh, you know, Rondon ranked ahead of Cole. I've seen other rankings that have Rondon ranked ahead of Cole. Like that's totally fine. Um, Cole is undisputably the number one pitcher of the New York Yankees. Like that's not up for debate. The number one, the starter on opening day is Garrett Cole. Um, I look, I think every year that we have this starting pitcher conversation, especially since Garrett Cole has signed with the Yankees. I feel like 
when we get to the point of like releasing our rankings, like I feel like the people that might look at our rankings, like push really hard to see if like Garrett Cole is going to fall out of the top 10 and he doesn't. And like the reason that he doesn't fall outside of the top 10 is because Garrett Cole is a top 10 pitcher in baseball. Like that's, that's, that's just like, that's honestly as easy as, as it should be. If you're not just looking at a specific set of numbers, if you're not just looking at what was done last season, like Garrett Cole, when you compare him directly to, again, not just a pool, like, cause in, in a pool of numbers, I can get, I can guarantee you that Garrett Cole probably is ranked like 18 based on all the numbers put together and stuff like that compared to the, to the stats of some of the other players. But if you look at what Garrett Cole's responsibility is, being the number one pitcher of the New York Yankees, pitching in the AL East, pit, having to pitch against a lot of tougher competition than a lot of uh, that, a lot of other guys, which points to elevated ERAs, as we see for like another guy like Aaron Nola, who had a, pr a pretty elevated ERA. Guess what? Aaron Nola also pitches in the NL East. Like those teams that where you constantly have to be facing that top level competition, you have to look at other stats. Like you have to look, you have to look at FIP, you have to look at WHIP, you have to look at all like strikeouts per nine, all that type of stuff. You have to look at who are they facing. You have to look at how many games are they starting for you? How many innings are they putting up? Like, and not just across one season. Like, that's why I look at, you know, both last season and the year prior to see what kind of change was it between, was there between the last two seasons that you had. Garrett Cole is pretty much like, Garrett Cole, whatever stats you want to look at, when you really boil down to it, like, I don't think that there's an argument for him not to be a top 10 pitcher. Like that's just that's just the reality of the situation. Every every time that that you get to that point where someone wants to push Garrett Cole out of the conversation, Garrett Cole goes out there and starts a game and puts himself right back in. And we've seen it plenty of plenty of times. Whenever he's struggling, and then he went, he goes and throws essentially like dominates the Houston Astros, right? And then he might struggle again, but then he goes out there, dominates the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, and then he's struggling, and then it's like, oh, Garrett Cole can't get it done. And then he goes out there in the postseason and gives you a must-win game against the Guardians, right? Like, it's, it's all these types of things where it's just like, you really have to ask yourself that question. How, if you have a game seven and you need a pitcher out there, I don't think you're taking 10 guys over Garrett Cole right now. Like, like tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't, think, I don't think that you're taking 10 guys over Garrett Cole right now in a game seven. And that is the question that you have to ask yourself sometimes when you're ranking starting pitchers. Because again, stats are very nice. Stats are very nice. We talked, we talked about a guy like Tristan McKenzie, right? Like Tristan McKenzie, stats are very nice. I'm not taking Tristan McKenzie over Garrett Cole in a game seven. I'm not taking, I'm not taking Dylan Cease over Garrett Cole in a game seven. I'm not taking Shane McClanahan over Garrett Cole in a game seven or Spencer Strider or Zach Wheeler or Kevin Gaussman. Like it's like a lot of these names I'm not taking over Garrett Cole. And that's not, that's not just me being a Yankee fan. That's just me being a baseball fan. Like it's not like there are not 10 guys, 10 pitchers overall. And that's, inclu that's including the new Yankee, Carlos Rondon, that I'm taking over Garrett Cole for a game seven. That's why I personally don't have, I have him right there. I think I had him eight, nine on my personal list. So I have him slightly behind Garrett Cole. Um, so I, so the fact that Rondon ends up a little bit like higher than him, like it's cool. Like, but I just want to make it clear, like Garrett Cole is still the number one guy. If anything, I think the addition of Carlos Rondon might end up benefiting Cole it takes a little, take a little more pressure off of Cole, uh, you know, and to see how he does this year. I, I predict Garrett Cole will, I predict Garrett Cole will have a strong finish this year that pushes him closer to top five discussion coming into next season. That, that's just think, my prediction. Yeah, go the, ahead. There's three, there's three things that that's true. Look, one, Cole is is number one on the Yankees. He he he's one A. He's he's the Yankees ace. 
the money dictates that, the amount of years on that contract dictates that, the impact he has on the rotation impacts that. The truth is, he's just not sexy anymore. He, he, he's just not. And what I'll say is this. I had him outside of my top 10. But I also know that he's going to be either in the top 10 or near the top 10 next year, which is something you can't say about most of the people on this list. It's one of those things where he's so consistent that we don't give him credit year to year for doing what he's doing. From the last five years, his numbers have kind of gone gone up and down. And it happens, right? It's a career. It, 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 it's, what, it, it's what goes down. But he's always consistently been in the top five of all statistical categories. But then we mentioned the Carlos Rondon. Carlos Rondon has had an incredible last two years. So we look at it and say, hey, this is where this guy's career is heading. This is who he is now. We don't know that to be true. And you know how we know that? Because the contract he got wasn't for a 10-year kind of range. It was for six years. Why? Because historically, he hasn't been that good. Looking at other guys in front of him, Sandy Akintara. I love Sandy Akintara. He, we didn't mention him right now, but he's a spoiler. He's in top five. For as good, as, as great as Sandy Akintara was last year, there's been seasons where he hasn't been good at all. There's been seasons where he's gotten hit around. There's been seasons where we're like, hey, you know, what the fuck, man? And it's not, it's not like saying this, like he's, 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 he's someone that we can't really gauge. The numbers behind his contract say that too. Sandy Atari has an amazing contract, but it also says, hey, we should know what we're getting from you. You know what I mean? So with Garrett Cole, he maybe he doesn't have another season where he has an, an ERA under three. I'm fine with that because I know, first of all, he's going to be there every game. He starts every game, which again, something we can't say for every pitcher on this list. Max Scherzer is going to be here later. He's had health concerns. The Grom, who's on this, you know, 10 through 9, doesn't even pitch next year, right? Like, it, it, it's one of those things where we have question marks about not only, maybe not the talent of these guys, but the availability, the consistency, what can I get from them? Because I love Garrett Cole, and, and for me, I do have him in, in like, you mostly have him in my top 10. On a list like this, I don't have him in my top, top 10 because I think there, there's a world where guys have better numbers than him because of the reasons you mentioned. He is playing the AL East. He is someone that, you know, he gives up home runs, which is going to just lead to, like, he gives up, it's not, like, a true statement. He kind of, to me, it feels like he gives up as many hits as he does home runs, right? Like, if he gives up 33 hits, there'll be 33 home runs, which is fine. I mean, it, I, I'd rather yeah. that than having some guy walk everybody and spray hits around and, you know, and, and all this different stuff. His his numbers were great. If you look at his, his um like deeper analytic numbers, they're they're great. They still show that he's yeah. an elite player in this game. So I, the notion I don't like is when people say, "Oh, he's not worth his contract." You have an ace level player pitching thirty three games a game. He shows up in the playoffs. He had what one bad playoff game, maybe one bad bad playoff series in his entire career of of being a postseason player because he is that kind of guy for the Astros and the, and the Yankees now. I don't want the narrative to get out of hand with, with Garrett Cole because some people are just pure haters. You know it is what yeah. it is. I saw, I saw some, I saw some, uh, some posts the other day where it was like, most home runs allowed in twenty twenty two. Yeah, he was up there statistically. He was up there, 
Guess who led the league in strikeouts last year too, though? Right. Let, let's talk about that number two. If we're just gonna throw random ass numbers without any context, right? Like, right. like yeah, he is gonna be up there leading the league in home runs given up. He's also gonna be a top five in innings pitched. Which, by the way, that's what he was last year and the year before that and the year before that and the year before that. Right. So there's certain things that you know he's a Yankee. It is what it is. You wear the pinstripes, you get target on your back. It it's it's what happens. But the the Garrett Cole hate has kind of gotten to a point where like like you're just saying things because you hope it happens, right? Yeah. Like you just hope it like he blows up. But but Nick, I'll throw it to you, man. Mm-hmm. What, what 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 do you got on on me, man? Uh, t- ten through six. I mean, ten through six is it's a good list. Other than Cole being where he's at, and that's all the way on you, Daniel. Uh, that's that's absolutely just no, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you have, you have like twelve of the guys you'd rather have on the mound. So <laughs> no, I mean you said it just right. I'm just sitting over here nodding my head like. Cole is the pitching version of Trout in a sense. He's always going to be probably the most common pick for Cy Young going into any year. And then the question is, who is going to beat him? Just like MVP for Trout if he's going to have a full healthy season. Trout's going to be your number one odds. The most people are going to pick Trout. But then it's like, well, who's going to beat him? It's kind of Trout versus the field. And for AL Cy Young, it's kind of like Cole versus the field. And he's just been so good for so long. It's He's going to have to have that what's next year which is going to have to be 250 innings, 300 strikeouts, uh, below two ERA. And that's just not Garrett Cole's game at this point. I don't want to say he's bored with baseball, but I think he's just trying to – I really think he's just trying to get to the playoffs and dominate the playoffs. I think for him the regular season is just that. It's regular. If I give up a home run on pitch one, it means I didn't throw five pitches to that guy, which means I can throw more pitches, which means I can get more innings, which means I can save my bullpen. It's kind of like a Justin Verlander attitude. I'd rather give up one – run on one pitch than three runs on 27 pitches because I walked a guy and to lead the league in strikeouts like he does every single year to always be there as a 200 inning sadly saying workhorse in today's game he is the most reliable starting pitcher in major league baseball hands down the only reason he's not number one for me is because it has become regular (laughs) he is giving up more home runs he is he's not dominating like he used to. And so where he's kind of going backwards, I need to see his playoff stuff happen a little bit more. And we just haven't seen that. Um, so I'm I mean, I don't think he should be at number nine. It's it's pretty crazy to me to think that there's eight other guys in baseball that you'd rather have on the mound for game seven. Um, you kind of teed it off for me too with with Freed. Look, when I dug in his numbers, it was like a Valdez. This guy isn't gonna go out there and dominate a game. And when I'm placing him in my list of others. Every other pitcher I have on here dominates the game in a better way. Maybe they have more strikeouts. Maybe a la Sandy Alcantara, I can rely on Alcantara to be more in the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning than I can for a max Freed. If I get into a jam and need a strikeout, I'm not going to count on that with Freed. What I'm going to count on with Freed is good quality pitching and getting out of jams, but maybe not by overpowering somebody. Freed, to me, doesn't have that in his bag of tricks. He can't just go out there and strike a guy out when he needs to, like these other guys can. Doesn't mean he's a bad pitcher, but when I'm going to rank him, he's going to fall down the list for me. Um, Aside from that, look, I don't know how many of y'all saw what Scherzer did on the mound the other day when he paused and made the hitter take his only at-bat or his only timeout that he can take and then immediately came set and threw the pitch. Yo, if any of these other guys start thinking about how to utilize the pitch clock to their advantage rather than being a disadvantage. We could see some crazy numbers this year, pitching wise strikeouts, 
could go through. Like, there is a very good chance that all of these pitchers just have better strikeout rates than they've ever had. So, uh, Scherzer is in my top five for sure. Or sorry, no, Scherzer was is our top five. I had him at nine, only because of the injuries. Everybody that I have above him, while they may ha- they're either not injury prone, and I'm not worried about them getting hurt, or they are, but they're more dominant. A la a Degrom, I think Degrom is one notch ahead of Scherzer because he is that much better when he's on the mound. And I'm hoping that Degrom in Texas will be on the mound more. And maybe it really was just a New York pitching thing. We've seen so many of their aces be hurt. Maybe he was just in that mode. Um, Rodon, uh, I had him at six, so I can't be mad at him being at six. But the way it played out, I just don't see him over Nola, DeGrom, or Cole. Um, Nola was my number one. And the reason he was my number one is when you go and dig into his numbers and you watch, for me to watch Nola pitch, that is how a pitcher should be throwing. If I were to teach my son how to throw with emotion, I love his motion. It's long, it's loose, it's whippy, it's compact, it's repeatable on like literally every pitch he throws, he's coming out of that same window, kind of like a Clayton Kershaw, but from the right side. And it's just, he looks like he knows he's going to go out there and dominate. And that's such a good thing to see on the mound. Aaron Noel goes out there looking like, I'm going to throw a no-hitter this game. And the best part is, he doesn't have to do it with just strikeouts, but he can. He doesn't have to do it with just suppressing his home run to fly ball ratio, but he did. He doesn't have to do it by throwing ground balls all the time, but he can. This is one of the most complete pitches. He's got five plus plus pitches when it comes to movement and location. He can dot just about anything. And he had, I think, the second best strikeout to walk ratio, but he had 235 strikeouts and only 29 walks. He had more than 10 times the strikeouts than he did walk. Sorry, not 10 times, but 235 to 29. That's pretty flippant impressive to have less than 30 walks over an entire season where you're pitching over 200 innings. Um, he's, so basically averaged less than a walk per start. Doesn't get much more impressive than that when you've got a guy on the mound. So to see him at seven, look, I get it. Um, he doesn't necessarily do anything that's absolutely out of this world. But when you dig in, to me, he's the most complete pitcher from a numbers standpoint. He's also just the guy that you see on the mound knowing that he's going to end that game with a win or to put his team in a spot to win. And it's very, it's a lot easier to do that when you have the offense behind you that he does. But also it's tough to do that when you have the defense behind him that he does. Because there's nobody helping his numbers out on that defensive area. Now he's got Trey Turner, which is going to help. But before that, he didn't have a defender to really help him. So he could have just a year that we've never seen, not only from him, but in the National League for quite some time. So I'm really excited to see what he's going to do this year. If I were to put money on, he would be my National League Cy Young frontrunner. That would be the guy that I would put money on. So I have him at number one. As far as the rest of the list, the five through nine is the craziest section of our list. It To me, it, it makes the least amount of sense on how they got there, but I'm not mad that they're there. None of them to me are, except for Nola, is necessarily a top five guy. And absolutely none of them are below a top, you know, 11 and below guy. So them falling in there, how they got there is definitely odd, but I think they're all in the right spot. Man, with, with Nola, I originally, so you had a number one overall on your list. When I started doing my list, I kind of had Nola at one, two. But then when I was digging into his numbers, the one thing I didn't like was his inconsistency year to year. And granted, it's not like he blows up one year after the other. But there, there is, it, he does go from like elite to like good, if that makes sense, right? Where he doesn't remain on that kind of 
Top, yeah, he goes to a, he goes from a true MLB ace to an ace of a team, which are two different right. things. Right, right. No, it, it's you know, I don't I don't know what he'll do this year. Right, he kind of just goes one year yes, one year no, um, one year rain, one year snow. Um, but you know, every everything else on on ten through six, you know, I, I think the big guy to talk about too is, is Rodon. Just re- real quick, for me, I was ranking lefties at this point. Where it was, I really did put a list of, of Rodon, uh, what's his name, Urias, Freed, and Valdez, and I kind of just came down to okay, from these four, like what do I really think about them, right? And then after that, how do I fit them into the rest? Of the Carlos Rodon's obviously the best lefty. I, I, I honestly, no, no, no offense to, to any of these other guys. Last few years, we've seen things come out of Rodon that. Are, are legitimate kind of just power pitching that we don't see from the left side usually. We usually don't see that. He's been healthy, which hasn't been the case for his career. He's just been doing things that, you know, warrant him being there. Does that continue in pinstripes? I don't know. The one thing that you say helps him is he has a good ground ball rate, and he also, like, strikes pretty much everyone out, right, which leads to good things typically, especially in today's day and age. Um Let's get to let's get to our top five. At number five came in Max Scherzer, who who we just t- talked about a little bit. Four, Sandy Alcantara. Three, Corbin Burns. Two, JV. And number one, I don't know if it's gonna be shocking or not. I I was kind of shocked he came out at number one to be honest with you. But Shohei Otani. Rob, kick it back over to you, man. What are your thoughts on his top five? Yeah, man. Top five. Top five is 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 correct. <laughs> I don't. I don't care necessarily about the order i care more about the names i don't think that there are other better pitchers in the game of baseball entering enter key part entering this year than the five names that are in our top five um i think we we cleared it out look if we if we take out rondon from our 10th through 6 and you look at guys like nola Degrom, and cole who are like guys that have like legitimate top five arguments Degrom, we know why he's why he's not there it's because of the health Cole, we know why he's not there. There's At this moment in time, even though we all have praises for Coles, the numbers just don't back up Garrett Cole being a top five pitcher compared, compared to the guys who are there. And for a guy like Aaron Nola, Aaron Nola is more based on what we see his potential being. Like if you told me that Aaron Nola should be a front runner to win NL Cy Young this year, cool. Like I, to- like I totally believe that. Like he should be in that conversation. But in terms of these guys right here, it works out perfectly. Like, look, we have both... Um, we have both of our Cy Young winners in the top five. And that's not always a guarantee because when we had Robbie Ray win the Cy Young, I think Robbie Ray was still ranked like our number 12 or 13th pitcher. And again, you have to have that, that equivalent of you won the Cy Young, but you're also like talented as fuck to win. the to, And we see you like being one of those arms in the, in the game, which I think both Sandy and, and I mean, Verlander, should Verlander be questioned at this point? Absolutely not. Like it, it, it he's Justin Verlander for a reason. For Sandy, it's it's definitely one of those guys that's gonna have more to prove this year. Um, so for Verlander and Sandy being in the top five, to, uh, obviously a hundred percent they should be in there. Scherzer, in a funny way, kind of works as as the doorman in this situation, where it's like Scherzer, yeah, you could put him a little lower, but you know, looking at the list and seeing Max Scherzer at five doesn't make you feel bad about the list. You know, if you see Max Scherzer at five, it's like, uh, Max, it's Max Scherzer, like cool, like I like I get it, he's five. Um, and then after that, like you're you're pretty much looking at Burns and Otani. Look, I had Corbin Burns as my number one, 
just because I think when you look at, at consistency the last two seasons, and again, he 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 was the defending NL Cy Young um, um, winner from the previous year before Alcantara. He put up another Cy Young level season. Like, it's just like guys had slightly better years than him. But again, it's not like Corbin Burns went out there and pitched bad. He just didn't pitch well enough to outshine some of the other guys that were in Cy Young consideration. But for Corbin Burns, I mean, he's honestly, I look at him as one of the top pitchers in baseball. I look at him as the top pitcher in baseball. If our list says that he's top three, I'm totally fine with that as well. Corbin Burns is going to be one of the most interesting names in the coming years here, especially because I don't think that he's going to be a long-term Milwaukee Brewer. And I think we're going to have a situation on our hands where you're going to have a lot of teams lining up to throw heavy contracts at Corbin Burns, as they should, because he's been showing that he is in that conversation with a Verlander and a Scherzer. Yes, doesn't have the career numbers to back it up, right? And the longevity that a Verlander or Scherzer have, have shown. But Corbin Burns is just nasty when he's out there. And I, I personally just want to, no hate against Brewer fans, but like, come on, like we saw the comments that he dropped the other the other day um, when the Brewers went to their arbitration case with him and how he didn't necessarily like those comments, right? And we're, not just from him, we're seeing those comments from a lot of players. Like, I'm sure it's going to be something we talk about in our future episodes in terms of like arbitration in these teams. But I feel like a lot of these guys are going into these arbitration cases expecting like to be shown a certain level of respect by the franchises that they've been like honestly putting up elite numbers for. And then they just go in there and get slapped in the face. I mean, we saw it with Aaron Judge too, and the Yankees who, and Aaron Judge, all he went out was put 62 home runs and went to Cy Young and shut the Yankees up. I think Corbin Burns is going to be in that same situation where he's just going to put up, he's going to continue to put up his, what they are, Cy Young level seasons. And you don't have to win the Cy Young every year to be that level of pitcher. I just, you just need the stats to back it up. I think Corbin Burns is, if I have to bet on a guy to continue to, to for the next five years to put this, these types of, of statistics up, I think I'm very safe with putting my, my uh, money behind Corbin Burns. And I mean, look, Otani being at number one, it, it honestly just is what it is. Like it's, I've said it before, like if, if Otani can, can show that he can pitch at a consistent level, he's going to be one of the top pitchers in the game right now. He's ranked as the top pitcher in the game. Like, but again, I don't think in a weird way, I don't think Otani's seat, his seat as a player is way more secure than his seat as a pitcher. And I'm not just saying like that overall or anything like that. I'm just saying like, look at the amount of talent that we have in the starting pitching department compared to the like talent in the league right where like where you can make a very clear definitive argument as to Shohei Otani is the best absolute player in the game of baseball over Mike Trout over Aaron Judge over Juan Soto over Fernando Tatis Jr over all these guys I don't think that the lock on number one starting pitcher is as strong as as that overall player argument is simply because the guys that are behind them are just like that filthy and that good and have been doing it for again like a good amount of time like if like if Max Scherzer went out there this year and and next year we had him ranked number one then we have him ranked number one because he's Max fucking Scherzer same thing with Verlander and they're both on the same on the same New York Mets teams now which again I'm sure it's going to bring up good good amount of competition for them but you know what? I think I think the the top five came out super super interesting, super well. The five names that are on there are the are the five right names that should be on there. Whether you don't want Otani at one, you think Otani's five, whatever. Otani's a top five pitcher in baseball, and that's and that's for me who 
who is someone who always like seems to want more from Otani and from Otani to show more. Otani is the best player in the game of baseball. He's a top five pitcher in baseball. He's not my number one, but he is a top five pitcher in the game. So the fact that he's there is something that I'm completely fine with. And I'm really looking forward to see how these five guys specifically pitch next year, because I want to see what it's going to take for one of them to get kicked off. And that's where I'm looking at it uh, more going into next season. Yo, Otani is literally like if you played MLB The Show and just put all of his like sliders and stats to 99. It is, it, it is dumb. Like his Video game. Last year, as, Ohtani, as impressive as Otani is offensively, which we know how impressive that is, pitching-wise, it was dominant, man, where it was just like, you know, there's, there's, there's times where a player like Otani has a bad game. And right now, like Otani's bugaboo is pitching at Yankee Stadium, right? Anytime, anytime he pitches at Yankee Stadium, his his ERA just goes through the roof for for whatever reason. I mean, his is he has bad games. Everywhere else, though, he is dominant, man. He is he is absolute dominant. Like last year, just you know, a, a, a stat that we that we just look at just to see how dominant you really are is a strikeout per nine, led the league about about yeah. twelve strikeouts per nine, doing it on one hundred sixty six innings. He is, he is overpowering. The only thing that could keep Otani out of a list like this or a top player list is injury, and yeah. even then, we'll, you know that's we can say that about any player, right? Otani, we just look at it a little bit more because of what he does and how he does it, kind of thing. Justin Verlander, he came he came in at number two, and same thing. His numbers are just ridiculous. He he missed you know he missed a portion of a lot not last year the year before that right he had Tommy John and and had to go through that mess he's going to he's going to some Mets so if there's ever going to be a time where his career starts going downhill it's now but before this year he's been he's been incredible he came back last year and he was the best pitcher in the MLB I don't think it's it, you know Sandy Ochoa did amazing things and you know you can argue that he also was but what Justin Verlander did at the level he's doing he's been doing it for his career. You could argue he had the best season of his career last year, which is dumb. The man, like it's it's time, like bro, like does aging not happen anymore? Like I don't get it. It's 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 ridiculous. Nick, what's he using? Is he is he he's on that Ben Gay swag? Is that what you guys start using now at at, at the ripe age of thirty six or whatever, however old he is now? Absolutely, you do as much as you can. Get. <laughs> the, the, there you go, man. I, I mean, look, everyone else, like look, Corbin Barron statistically, if you look at just the analytic numbers, right? Even if you look at something like War, he's been the best pitcher last few years. It like it's not like me saying it, it's literally the numbers saying it. He's you can't you can't really even debate that. So, uh, man, it's it, it's hard. It's hard. It was trust me. This this top five. It it looks like it, it sounds good, but when you like you heard the names we talked about before this, man, it it is like Degrom could very easily be number one on this. He has he has. He pitches 150 innings next year at the level that the Grom does. He's number one, right? Like it's just it, it is what it is. It, it, it's so hard to kind of lock these guys down. Nick, I'll kick it over to you, man. Top five. What are your thoughts? So I I don't like four and five there. I I'm not an Alcantara Scherzer fan. The main reason for Scherzer for me is his age and his injury. Like he he is defying what we know as far as an older pitcher and his dominance. But he was out a couple times last year, and it's tough for me to put as dominant as he can be, and he's got a few more innings, this is Clayton Kershaw, and Clayton Kershaw's at 20, okay? So for Alcantara, 
Look, the dude's a stud. 6'5", 200 pounds, throws downhill, meaning throws from a very high up, a very, very tall arm angle, and the ball is coming down at the hitter, which is much more difficult to hit. And he short arms it, which means he hides it well. Alcantara has a lot working for him that just helps him pre-pitch. His pitches are good, but they're not dominant. And for me, that's where I have, because I had him all the way down at seven, even though he just won the NL Cy Young. If he does this again, absolutely. If I know I can rely on him for more than one season to be a seven, eight, nine inning guy, then yes, I love this guy. This is my dream pitcher. The guy that when he goes out there, you're not even looking to your bullpen until the seventh inning. And most likely you're just looking down there to make sure they've got enough beer for the eighth and ninth while Alcantara finishes the game. Like he was that good last year, but it's one year. And in this game that we have today, teams don't let their ace do that again and again and again. And he's on a very team-friendly contract, so they have one or two options. They move him for a ton of prospects, which is what the Marlins have kind of shown to do, or they're going to keep him and keep using him, but they're going to maybe want to try to save him for later on in this contract when they have a little more you know, offense to help out. I love Sandy Alcantara. Does he deserve to be in the top five? Yes. I don't know if he's going. He is the guy that I think will be out of the top five next year because he has to have everything go exactly like it did last year to be the same. And I don't see him adding anything in new to make his own changes. So to me, he's the most likely of these five to be out of the top five, along with Scherzer if he gets injured. If Scherzer's not injured, then Rob's right. He might be number one next year, man. The different eye guy could definitely be the best pitcher in baseball, and it would not shock me. Uh, for the top three, Otani, Verlander, and Burns, yeah. I mean, Burns has been very consistent last few years. To Rob's point, I think he might be kind of pissed, and I think he might be trying to, to pitch for a big contract for one of two reasons. Either stick it to Milwaukee, like you're going to pay me so much more money because of what you just did, or another team's going to pay me so much money and watch what you could have had had you treated me right. Go walking away. Watch this two-time NL Cy Young Award winner in second place the other year. Walk my ass off. He could have an outstanding season. Uh, Verlander I had in my top five. Honestly, just a matter of respect. I don't need to know why he did so well last year after coming off Tommy John and being 40 years old. I don't need to know the science behind it at all. Don't fucking care. He is that good. He's staying that good. And he's the opposite. Until he falls off, I've got to just keep putting him in the top five because he keeps proving us wrong. Um, Otani at one, look, the only reason Otani's not my number one is because I absolutely get to say he doesn't pitch 200 innings. But my goodness, if he did. Rob made the statement, he is in the conversation of best player in baseball. If he wasn't a pitcher, would he be in that conversation? I don't think so. If he was not a pitcher and all he did was hit, granted he's going to have more at bats, I don't think he's in that conversation. But even without the hitting, he's in the conversation for the best pitcher. And if you took away his hitting, he's probably going to get you your 200, 210, 220 innings. And what would he do with that? We don't know. A 2-3-3 ERA. That came with a start that had six runs given up, five runs giving up, and six runs giving up. That's insanity to think that this dude can have three starts like that, have such few innings at 166, and still give you a 2-3-3 ERA. Look, if, there, if you're going to put one guy on the mound to strike out anybody in the history of baseball that's pitching in today's game, and all he has to do is that one hitter for that one at bat, give me Sheho, give me Otani on the mound. Absolutely. If I have to strike out Barry Bonds to win a million dollars to save my life, 
of all the pitchers that are pitching right now, even over DeGrom, I want Otani on the mound. I think he's got the mentality to step up in any situation. He's very calm, cool, and collective. And if we saw a 200 inning out of Otani this year, I don't even know if it's close that he wins the Cy Young because all he's done has gotten better each year in every single metric on the mound. And he's just limited by what he does because he hits as well. And so for me, Otani at number one makes a lot of sense. I had him at number two. And the only reason I had him over guys like Burns and Cole is because of what is his potential, his ceiling to me is higher than Burns. It is higher than Cole. What he is capable of is there. And it's not an injury that's limiting him. It's literally him hitting the baseball. <laughs> like That's his hurdle. That's his, the, when everybody has, every guy has a thing, right? His thing is, oh, by the way, he hits. <laughs> like, so for me, that's pretty good thing to have that you're actually playing the other side of the ball. Um, I do like the top, I do like the top five. I think Alcantara and Scherzer are the two guys most likely to be out of the top five next year for whatever reason they would have. And at the same time, I don't see Otani, Verlander, or Burns getting out of the top five, kind of sort of regardless of the season they have outside of injuries. So to me, this is this is good, but Otani deserves some shine because of how good he really is. Verlander deserves some shine because of how good he's been for so long. And he is one of those guys that we've never seen before and we may never see again. I, I can't think of another guy that we thought about even in his younger career where he starts off the game throwing 92-93. Middle of the game, he's 95-96. Seventh, eighth, ninth inning, he's pumping 100. Like, he gets stronger as he goes. And what he used to do in Detroit when he was younger is showing across his entire career. He's getting better as he gets older. Who does that besides Nolan Ryan? So um, I think Verlander right there, number two, is amazing. The numbers that they're throwing up in today's game is they're, they're just really gross. It's really gross the kind of stuff that these guys can do with the baseball and take advantage of what the hitters are trying to do by yanking it out. The strikeouts they have, the number of innings they can pitch outside of Otani is – it's really, really incredible to see how the top five right here it has separated themselves from everybody else pretty clearly. So it's a good top five. Well, I, if there was a real-life Superman, it would be Otani. I'm just saying. Like, if, if you tell me that at night he kind of goes around in a cape and he's just flying around saving motherfuckers from, like, fires and shit, it, it's Otani. Like, it, it, it's dumb. I, like, he's not, like, he's not human. It, it looks like Japan said, we're not going to do anything for, for 23 years. We're just going to develop this this lab rat, th this guy who we just build up to terrorize American baseball. You know what I mean? He's the baseball version of Ivan Drago. <laughs> it's nuts, man. It is, it is, it is insane. He, like, you know how like in, in uh, Dragon Ball Z, they have the dudes in the vat? Like, like, you know what I mean? Just kind of, it, it's stupid. It, it's stupid. I just don't know. Him and Tatis Jr. are just not human beings, I think. Like they're definitely just monsters that came down to, to kind of just own us at whatever through baseball. Um, Bro, that, we have look, that, we have Otani and Verlander ranked our one two. How hard how hard do you think it's for Ben Verlander to to rank either his MLB crush <laughs> or or his brother as the best pitcher in baseball? Like who does he have who does he have ranked higher, Otani or Verlander? Because I don't know. Ben Verlander's the worst, and you know what you know what has so. Baseball Reference has this new thing where a pop-up comes up of Ben Verlander talking. I no longer use Baseball Reference to look at my stats. Like, I used to always kind of do it with, like, Fangraphs, because I think Fangraphs pretty good, yeah. even though they have a shit ton of ads, too. Yeah, but I now it's, that. like, I, I you, you have to now. Like, I don't want to hear him talk. I don't think he's, like, an educated... Like, for someone who's been in baseball as long as he is, I think he's, like, not educated in what he talks about. You know what I mean? So it's, like, hard to, to even... Be, like, he's up there with that dude from the Red Sox. 
Yeah, that, no, with that. I, I'm cool with him <laughs> talking baseball. I'm just saying, at some point, you have to address like, like you have to address like clear bias. Like whenever I'm gonna be biased about the Yankees, I'm like, yo, what I'm about to say is coming out of my bias, and it's just like the way that he has um, just talked so much more positively about the Mets since 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 Verlander signed with them. It's just like, I mean, damn. Like it's just like you need to have a little bit of that back and forth. But I'm saying specifically, just looking at like imagine Verlander and Otani both win Cy Young next year. Like hit like his brain might explode. Like I like I don't know who you go with there. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the dude's wife. Um, <laughs> like, there, there's someone who, who very obviously comes third in his life, and it's definitely, um, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. Man. Like, before we get out of here, there is one thing I do want to talk about, the new rules, and how it's affecting kind of the game. I'll start saying this. I, I love the pitch clock. I, I love, you know what, I, I feel like it's added an element to the game that we haven't talked about before as far as it feels more like, it feels more like basketball. A little bit, right? Where you're kind of always going, you know, get in the box, get get ready to go. And the one thing that I think there's a lot of pushback on is, oh, what about strategy? What about you know the part of the game where it's calming down and and gathering your thoughts? Like, bro, look, you can still do that shit. You just gotta do that shit fucking way faster. That that's all it is, right? Like, you're not taking that element element away. Like, I don't. I, I mean, look, I love the moments that happen in baseball. I don't watch it to watch some dude walk around a mound three times before he takes a pitch. I don't I, – I didn't watch baseball or watch Nomar Garcia Power play with his hands because he looked like he had some kind of, like, I don't know. I forget what disease it is. But still, like, my, my point is it's – we're getting – I think we're getting a better version of the game. I know, I know Nick loved what Max Scherzer did on the mound. And what I loved about it, you know, to add on to it, and, and I'll let Nick speak about it, but I, what I loved about it was that Especially now in spring training, is the time to play around with that kind of stuff, and it's very obvious that Max Scherzer is testing the limits of what you can do with it. So, for instance, is it going to be like the NFL play clock, where after zero you can still call, you know still go with the play, or is it going to be like basketball that once the shot clock goes, like that's it, no, like shot clock violation, right? And and we're seeing that, and and right now in spring training they're being super strict, and I think they have to be because if not super strict now. It's not gonna be. It's not gonna be enforced during the season, right? That we're gonna be like, oh, how come they enforced it here, and not there? There's, there's obviously some things that still have to be fixed. There's, there's definitely like I think the batter rule that the batter has to be looking at the pitcher. Like, why not just have a batter clock too? The batter has to be in within ten seconds or whatever the case may be. Some things still need to be ironed out, but I, I just want to get your opinion, man. What, what, what was your thoughts on on the pitch clock? And, and Nick, I'll go ahead and start with you, man. I love the pitch clock. I think it's exactly what the game needed. I think it's needed for a while. Um, the way they're implementing it, you're right. They have to call every infraction. And it's two parts, too. It's not It's not just so that if they don't enforce it now, how are they enforced during the regular season? It's so that everybody knows what it is. Like, if you don't enforce the fact that the batter... So the batter has to be in the box, I believe, within 12 seconds. It's either 8 or 12. He has to be in the box ready to hit within 8 to 12 seconds. If they don't call it and they don't give the pitcher a strike, then they're not going to know the timing of it. The hitters aren't going to get used to the flow that's going on with how quick that 8 to 12 seconds happens. It's all very important for the players to learn what's happening that's going to be happening during the regular season. I'm pretty sure that if a guy doesn't get in the box within 12 seconds and it's 0-2 in the bottom of the ninth, I have a feeling they're probably not going to call it as strictly when a game matters in July, especially not towards the end of the season. Maybe they do. I don't know. But I love this. And as far as the strategy point, 
man, get the fuck out of here. Baseball was never an in-the-moment strategy type of game unless the manager called the timeout. The manager was supposed to do the strategy in the game. It's about being prepared. It's about knowing all the shit that you chart every single game. And for those of you who have never played a game of baseball, I shit you not, every starting pitcher who's not pitching is doing charts on the pitcher who is pitching. So you know what he threw, when he threw, how fast he threw it, what was the angle. Like, there's all these saber metrics that the team is doing as well. But every pitcher is involved with charting what's going on with the other pitchers out there. And that's where you build your strategy. You watch the game the day before, the four games before. And so for me, the pitch clock is great. It is speeding up the game the way it should be. As much as people said that that pitchers were the reason the game was going slow, look, man, hitters take forever to get in the box. And then the pitcher has to get ready. But realistically, it's the, it's the fucking hitters that are getting out of the box on every pitch to adjust their gloves. Barry Bonds did not ever step out of the box, not even with one foot. He got set into his position with two feet, and he was there for that at bat, unless there was a foul ball or something came in tight on him. But if there was just a ball or a regular strike, he didn't get out of the box and go do anything. The best offensive player we've ever seen doesn't need a pitch clock. He doesn't need to adjust his gloves. He doesn't need to adjust his armor. He's in there, he's ready to hit, and he's always always preparing and always strategizing what's the next pitch coming. There is no need for all this time. One thing that I'm fearful of is injury. They changed the spider tack, and Tyler Glass now blew out his, his elbow. Say whatever you want about the reason for it. Even if it's just mental and he's being a baby about it, and I love me some Tyler Glass now, if he was just being a baby about the fact that what he got to use changed, so now he's got a hurt elbow, and so that's why he's hurt, okay, fine. I have a feeling the pitch clock might do the same thing for some pitchers. Rushing their what they've been used to for so long definitely could affect them injury-wise. So I I do see us having an increase in injuries from pitchers this year. How severe? Don't really know. But I'm willing to take that chance. This pitch clock is amazing, in my opinion. The hitters are ready faster. The pitchers are ready faster. The game, to your point, Daniel, there is more pace in the game. It doesn't matter how long something takes. Look at the NFL. It takes the same amount of time, if not more, than a Major League Baseball game. But because there's this perceived pace of the play, all the replays and how everybody's constantly moving. That's what baseball is getting towards. I think it's going to attract the fans like they wanted to. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Good job, Rod Manfred. You might have actually done something that deserves a thumbs up. I'm not going to give it to you on camera. And this can't, this recording can be deleted. But so far, so good. I like it. Dude, I, I think it's what – I, what I love about it is – we we we. It feels like it's a sport. <laughs> I I know it sounds crazy to say, but there's a stamina there's there's a stamina part of it with the pitchers that we haven't seen yet because it's spring training, so guys are only going one or two innings at most. Look, regular season at that pace, we'll see what happens to guys in the in the sixth inning if they get to to eighty pitches, right? I think it will have an, a certain effect. You know, maybe it makes it so that we. I, I don't even I don't even know what, what what I'm trying to say here. I I just I just love the fact that it's not gonna take forever, right? Like one of the things that I've very quietly kind of been in favor for, at least in, in like from my playing days, is I preferred seven inning games to nine inning games, just because it it can. There is sometimes where there is a lull. I think with the speed that we're doing this now, there's less opportunity for that. Yo, Rob, what about you, man? What, what do you think about the the rules so far? Yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. I agree with you guys. Um, it's a great change. It's definitely better than than some of the more like problematic potential changes that we've heard, like a robo ump. Like with something like the pitch clock, you can definitely see like the immediate change that it's gonna cause in the game. And it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be a change for the positive. 
Like the people that are saying like all these exaggerations about the pitch clock right now, I'm like, yo, we're literally in spring training. Like it doesn't, it doesn't like we haven't started the regular season. Stop thinking about, stop thinking about a potential bottom of the ninth situation in the postseason. You don't know what, you don't know if that's ever going to happen. And look, to be honest with you, the most simplest way I could say this is just, it's almost like MLB the show. Like if you were playing quick counts on MLB the show, um, like for those people that don't know what that is, it's like where you could change the setting on MLB the show. And when you're playing like the actual game, the hitter already starts with like a count. So sometimes it might be like one, two count or a, or a two Oh count or some, you know, so it kind of speeds up the game in that sense. In this situation, the players are not having to have two strikes already or anything like that. It's more of just like, yo, cut the shit and play the game of baseball. Like you don't need to take 40 seconds for, for you to get in the box and for the pitcher to throw his first pitch, like hurry up. Because the reality is for everyone who says that the game of baseball is boring. It, look, the game of baseball isn't boring. Like, but the problem is that it's extended so much compared to other games that it makes it drag. That's the problem. You can get a game done in two and a half hours, two hours and 20 minutes or whatever. And then people can go on their way home and still have that feeling of being like, hey, I just watched a hell of a baseball game. Like, you don't need to have this little like back and forth all the time. And, and like, you know, like Nick brought up, pitchers will find ways to adjust the same way that batters will find ways to adjust. I mentioned it before. The one change that they might make to the pitch clock is who knows, maybe they change it to 20 seconds, right? Depending on if they go a year and then they have enough, you know, complaints of where hitters are like, hey, we'd feel more comfortable with 20 seconds or something like that. Like those might be changes that come in the future. Who knows? But for it to be in spring training and what it's happening right now, it's only going to be a positive change for the game. The people that are that are against it at this moment in time, like I'm not saying that problems can't come like in the future, but those problems aren't here yet. You're making them up in your head. So like until we get to a point where we see actual problems, people just need to calm down on the exaggerations, accept the pitch clock for what it is, and accept that it's going to make the game overall better. That's it. Uh, what I love about the rule is that it's not disproportionate. It doesn't favor one side over the other. And, you know, to those people saying, oh, what if this happens in the playoffs? You have 162 fucking games to figure it out. If, if this happens to you in a playoff game as a hitter, as a pitcher, shame on you. For not getting ready, right? Exactly. Shame on you exactly. for, for not do, for not doing what we have to do. Like, who do we blame? This whole, who do we blame? Yeah. Like, oh, you decided to take twenty seven seconds to, to 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 throw a ball, like you know. And and and, and when you think about like the the limited amount of times that it's happened, I'd say it's probably happened less than a handful of times over what's already been well over two hundred innings. If you take all the games together, right? So. All this outrage from dudes in their 60s about the game and what the game's supposed to be. And, you know, back in my day, there was no pitch clock. Like, bitch, back in your day, there was no electricity. We couldn't power the clock. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's just one of those things where... Yo, back arguments... in your day, back in your day, the first inning took 43 minutes, bro. Like, just like... Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and like, I, dude, I, I, I made the mistake of going back on Twitter for a little bit. Um, and, you know, I was talking about, yo, I love the pitch clock. And this guy's like saying, I'm like, yo, like, like, I'm not here to watch the psychology of the game happening. And by the way, it's not that it's not happening. It just has to happen so much faster, right? And I'm okay with that because you're not, I don't think you're eliminating, I think you're not eliminating something. I think you're just making that something have to happen quicker, which I don't ever think is, is, is a problem usually. And I'm, I'm not there to watch the chess mask per personally. I, I, I know some people do. Some people love the chess mask. Some people love, oh, if this guy shifts here, how cool is that? I don't give a fuck. I, I watch it. I want to watch the best athletes that play this sport be the best athletes that play the sport. 
That's why I love the banning of the shift, right? We're going to see some, yo, you know how, how, how Austin's watch Omar Vizquel and Ozzy Smith highlights. We haven't yeah. had anything like that in, 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 on defense for a long ass time. And it's purely because now your shortstop was playing right over the bag. Things change a little bit, man. I, this is going to be good for the game. I'm, I just think about it from like the longevity of the sport. I'm more inclined to consume more of it because I don't have to consume it over six hours instead of just four hours. Like if I, if I want to watch, if I want to watch two separate games, there's a higher likely likelihood of chance I can do that now than it was before. If I want to watch a pregame show, I no longer have to say fuck. I'm going to spend four hours in front of this TV watching A Rod, Big Poppy, and then fucking three hours of a Yankee Red Sox game. No, it's Shit, I, I can I can watch this and I'm, I'm I still get my fill, man. You know what I mean? So there's there's so many opportunities to this that people are kind of just like, oh no, we're watching like let the, the, like I I honestly don't understand what 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 it is that they think they're giving up, right? Like yo, bro, go find a fucking hobby, go play MLB the show, right? There's a plug for MLB the show now. Go play MLB the show if you're extra fucking twenty five minutes that you that are so fucking New game dropping at the end of the month. The yeah, word. <laughs> catch ca- catch Rob, Nick, and I on the commentary. <laughs> Imagine that'd be fucking sick. We should probably call and say, "Hey, what's up? You guys, you guys need some randos doing some some voiceovers?" Um, no, no, dude. It, it, it's so many. You saw it, it's like, bro, like the the Wandy. Wandy struck out somebody the other day in like less than twenty seconds. Cool. Yeah. Like sit down. Yeah. Like her. Like get out of the batter's box. Cool. Next batter up. Like wh- what do you want? <laughs> no, bro. Like, know, that's and, entertaining. And the, truth, the truth is that there's a good amount of pitchers who weren't the problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's some, there's some guys like like. Yeah, we're Cole looking at you, Luis Garcia. That. Luis Garcia, who oh had to change God, up his bro. whole entire rockabye baby windup. You know, his whole windup yeah. taking about twenty five seconds in its own. Like, bro, no, it was the hitters. That. It wasn't the pitchers. It, dude, no, honestly, I think one hundred percent it was the hitters, bro. I watch um like Evan Longoria when he was on, on on the Rays, and he talked about his setup and how he had to like look at his bat, look at the foul pole, look back at his bat, get into a mental state. Like, bitch, like, yo, you best find a way to do that shit within the next ten <laughs> seconds because it's not like you know. That that's yo, on you. Strike yo, one, right? Yo, the pitchcock yeah. putting an end to superstitions, bro. <laughs> pitchcock's yeah. like, yo, take your superstitions and throw them out. <laughs> I don't got time for that. No, man. Yo, but is there anything you guys want to end off on, man? Rob, I'll start with you. Oh man, look, every day that's going by is another day of spring training, another day that gets closer to MLB baseball, another day that gets closer to, you know, Garrett Cole's Cy Young season. So we're we're all we're all getting prepared here for the regular season coming up. And you know what? This is the way that the I just want to say this. I think from our rankings alone, from when we started the rankings to when we're doing the rankings now, I think heading into this season might be the most talent-filled season that we're going to go. And I said, and I and I hyped up last season, and last season was great. But this season, especially with the pitch clock change, especially when all this stuff, we're, we should strap ourselves in for a very, very entertaining season of MLB baseball. Yeah, this right, season's going to be great. It's going to be fast-paced. The game's going to be coming at you. You know, it, every game's going to feel like one of the quick pitch recaps real quick, you know. But I, I love the pitch clock. I think it's going to do great. I, I think the smaller – the bigger bases with a smaller base path, I think it's going to produce more runs this year, which is going to negate what – I think the pitch clock's going to lower the offense a little bit. Until hitters truly get used to that rhythm, I think the first half of the year, as pitchers normally do, but even more so, pitchers are going to dominate the game. We're going to have some low-scoring games as these hitters are going to have to get that big adjustment. At the same time, for some of these elite hitters, once they get used to it and they are literally locked in to hit every single pitch within five seconds, man, we could see some sparks happening because the pitchers don't have as long to get set and their mental state into that pitch that they're throwing. 
So we might see a few more mistakes out of some pitchers come mid-year and some a lot more hitters ready to jump on that. So I think the offensive side of the game, which is what most fans want to see, is going to come through. But I also see some dominant pitching performances coming out this year. Bro, some of, some of the best advice I ever heard like as a baseball player was, you can't think and hit at the same time. A lot of guys at the plate, historically, and it happens, right? It happens to everyone in every field. But the tendency to overthink something. If you're telling me that I, now I'm at a point where I have to get a rhythm, right? And it's like, oh, shit, I'm back in the box. Okay. I think that's going to help more than it hurts. I, I know for me, like, I would have loved it, right? If, if there's no, there was no time to... Because think about it, when you're when you're up there and it happens really quick, you're thinking, okay, this guy just threw me a fastball outside. I know he has a good change. Is he going back to the change? Or hey, he just missed inside. Is he going to try to clip that 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 spot again? Or is he going off speed? You can think about a billion things when you're in the batter's box. If you have to speed up that process, I think it's going to help a lot of guys. Honestly, like I I just don't. I've yet to see a realistic problem other than bullshit problems that people are anticipating that haven't happened yet just because they happened in a spring training game. So I'm I'm a huge fan of this. I'm looking forward to what this year is going to look like. There's so many great players that, um, you know, I, I like the young players a lot, right? Like Jordan Walker, holy fuck. Yo, Jordan Walker might be an alien. I I, uh, I have to stop myself from going crazy when I see stuff like that. Uh, like I almost, I said, yo, this this, this Albert Pujols career arc, just because Albert Pujols kind of started that way where he didn't have a spot in the infield. So I said, hey, you're going to play left field, you're going to go win an MVP, and then you're going to go come play first base eventually. Uh, Jordan Walker's insane. And we've seen some crazy performances out there from, from some rookies. It's going to be it's gonna be a fun season. It's going it's, it's to be a real fun season. We, do we still have one more ranking? Or do we think we, might, we have two rankings? Uh, I think we have what, two. We got? We, well, we could, we could combine them. It'll be the bullpen rankings and, uh, and the DH, if, if there's even enough quality <laughs> – hitters to make a to make a, a reasonable top 10 it might just be a short in top five because we all know who number one and two are going to be <laughs> and then after that it's kind of just filling in some names by the way last year's bullpen rankings probably go down as one of the worst we've ever had like remember the white Sox? does anybody remember that, that white Sox power bullpen yeah I, I don't think they sniff top 20 if we go back and do that <laughs> just yeah. like last year's numbers I don't even think I can name some of the relievers on in the white in the White Sox bullpen currently. So I don't think you want to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I want to either. All right, Miller, we're gonna get out of here. We'll catch you guys next time. Uh, I don't know what the fuck we're doing, but you, you, you'll, you'll catch us when we catch you.